Join us for a night of fine dining and entertainment as we announce the 2022 40 Under 40 winners. Running since 2002, the 40 Under 40 Awards program continues to recognise 40 of the state's leading entrepreneurs, innovators and future business leaders under the age of 40. Help us celebrate the exceptional young business achievers that are defining the future of our great state. Tickets available now at businessnews.com.au slash events. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. On today's episode, journalists Simone Grogan and Jordan Murray talk about the business behind cricket, racing and rugby league in WA. But first, here's the news you need to know today. Premier Mark McGowan will be isolating at home for seven days after a member of his family tested positive for COVID-19. Mr McGowan released a statement today confirming that he was a close contact and will be isolating with his family. The Premier says he attended Rockingham General Hospital for a PCR test, which came back negative this morning. A $220 million plan to revamp Cottesloe's Ocean Beach Hotel will be considered by council next week, with a town officer recommending a strong objection to the proposal. Owner Stan Quinlevin is proposing to redevelop the Marine Parade building to include 204 apartments, a hotel and food, beverage and commercial tenancies across three main buildings, with a maximum height of 12 storeys. The Quinlevin family teamed up with David Hillam through Edge Visionary Living and Hillam Architects and lodged the application through the WA Government's State Development Assessment Unit pathway to be assessed by the WA Planning Commission. Public feedback period for the OBH proposal was initially planned to end by April 11, but has since been extended to April 26 following request from the Town of Cottesloe Council. The deadline for the Council's response to the SDAU has also been extended to allow the matter to be considered at a meeting next week. A town officer's report includes a recommendation for the council to advise the SDAU and WAPC that it strongly objects to the proposal due to inconsistencies with the local planning strategy and building height controls. Plans for a $35 million cooperative to take ownership of the Kimberley's sole abattoir have stalled, with Yida Pastoral Co. instead retaining full ownership. Yida and its advisors have spent most of the past year in discussions with other pastoralists about forming a cooperative to purchase its wholly owned subsidiary, Kimberley Meat Company. The co-op had planned to take out a $35 million loan under a state government scheme, but did not obtain approval in time. Yida has instead decided to reopen the abattoir under its sole ownership. Meanwhile, Rio Tinto has had a slower start to the year, with iron ore shipments from its Pilbara operations totaling 71.5 million tonnes out of a total 71.7 million tonnes produced for the period. It marks an 8% decline on the same period last year and 15% less than the previous quarter. The mining giant attributed the weaker performance to ongoing mine depletion that had not been offset by replacement projects. Ramp up at Rio's in-development Gudai Dari project northwest of Newman was subject to commissioning delays and supply chain quality issues, with pandemic-induced labour shortages and staff isolation requirements also contributing to the mix. Despite the sluggish start to the year, Rio's full-year shipments guidance of between 320 million tonnes and 335 million tonnes remains unchanged. In other news, the state government has committed roughly $20 million to prepare for an extraordinary solar eclipse event for thousands of visitors expected to visit Western Australia. Tourism Minister Roger Cook announced $19.3 million would be allocated in the 2022-2023 budget for the total solar eclipse event expected on April 20 next year. We'll be right back.
those in the know know Optus Stadium is the perfect place to host. Weddings, parties, anything, whatever the size of your wedding, ball, graduation or sundowner, our award-winning Optus Stadium makes the perfect backdrop. Our space equals peace of mind. Our chefs equal world-class catering. Our service equals happy guests. Want to create lasting memories for your guests? Visit optusstadium.com.au to find out more. I try not to mix business and sports, Simone. I find that I don't like to ruin the thing that I spend all of my weekend watching. But in our latest edition, we've had a sports feature specifically looking at the interplay between business and sports in this state. Now, we've both contributed for this feature, but you've written the lead-off piece and you've taken a very broad look at the overlap there. Now, I'm used to asking a bit about industry trends. It feels a bit odd asking about it in sport, but given there are just so many codes and you've spoken to so many people, is it possible for you to give me a broad overview? I know that's a very broad question. Yeah, no, I, I can do my best. Um, the, the one thing I sort of picked up um, from speaking to, I, I honed it on the, the top end of town in terms of sporting organisations, and there was just this sense of optimism. There was this feeling that the worst was sort of behind them from a financial perspective. A great example is uh, is the WACA. Christina Matthews reckons that they lost out on about $18 million, $18 million in revenue um, from missing out on the Ashes, from missing out on a lot of big bash. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a pretty severe drop in revenue. Um, but she says, uh, financial matters aside, she sort of indicated that the, the bigger issue was getting people back into cricket and re-engaging people with the sport. Um, sort of, and this is kind of true of most sporting organisations that I chatted to. People just kind of got used to not going to games. You know, they can watch it on TV. It just kind of became normal, um, which, which is a shame. Um, and, and one thing she said was just right, like looking ahead, you know, how are we going to get people back in? What's the plan? Um, and how do we go from there? And, and it was similar with um, similar with the AFL, uh, with for the WA Football Commission. Um, Michael Roberts, who's been there, who's been leading the organisation since January, he just reckons there's still that hesitation. Um, again, he reckons it seems like the the sort of financial implications are levelling out. Um, but just looking ahead, it's like uh, yeah, how do we how do we get people back in? And obviously factoring in that people are isolating now. Um, you know, we, we're kind of still COVID is still very much present. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, if they can get, you know, numbers back to, to pre-COVID, if you will. It'll be interesting to find out. Um, so, yeah, broadly seem, seeming optimistic from a financial perspective, um, but it's like, all right, how do we get people back in? What's, what's the plan? So we'll see how that plays out. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I've seen this a lot with the AFL in the Eastern States where they're planning all these marquee games and nobody's turning up because they feel hesitant to sit in crowds and uh, possibly get sick. And as you say, they're, they're used to watching it on TV. It's interesting thinking of the difference there between the business models that arise. You know, a lot of money comes from spectators coming to the grounds and then there's obviously money that comes from advertising and I guess trying to find that balance that creates a financially sustainable organisation uh, can be difficult. But you also spoke to the Racing and Wagering Commission. Uh, did you know? Yes, I did. So they, I mean, I guess, yeah, they, they eclipsed the list basically. Uh, their revenues mm. uh, that they've, if any, they're the sort of opposite. They've just they've grown even more during COVID. Um, the CEO there, Ian Edwards, he just reckons it's been a really prosperous time. Um, he says that's a combination of they've been planning for a couple of years now to try, you know, obviously strategic planning as, as these organisations do. 
Um, mm. But COVID just gave them like an unexpected boost. Um, he said they were, you know, the organisation was able to to win over a lot of sports fans that kind of had nowhere to direct their uh, desire to watch sport and kind of turn to the racing and went, oh, okay, let's let's mm. give this a go. And he reckons that a lot of those stakeholders have stayed. You know, a lot of people who watch sports have stayed, and um, a large part of their revenues, obviously, the WATAB. Um, which, whatever your opinions are, contributed a huge amount of revenue, and, and it shows no no sign of slowing, uh, which was a really interesting topic to discuss with him. One sport I didn't get around to, however, was uh, was rugby, uh, which I understand you looked at, Jordan. Uh, I never knew that you were such a rugby league uh, aficionado. Uh, how did, <laughs> I did not know this about you. Um, how, how did this story come about? Yeah, I must admit that I'm I'm not a massive rugby league aficionado, but it is something I've always been very, very curious about is why there's no rugby league team here. And I make reference to the, the fictional Barassi line, right? This idea mm. that in Queensland and New South Wales, it's all about rugby league and every other state, uh, mainland state and territory in Tasmania, it's all about uh, the AFL. Obviously, it's not quite as cut and dry in that. And, and one of the reasons for that is that Queensland has two AFL teams. Uh, New South Wales has two AFL teams and they're both... Both states have pretty successful uh, AFL teams uh, at that with the Brisbane Lions and the Sydney Swans. And so I was kind of curious why, apart from Melbourne Storm, which are, uh, you know, a pillar of the game these days, at least in the last 20 years, mm. why there isn't a rugby league team here in Western Australia. And, of course, in the mid-1990s, there were the Western Reds, and they were relatively successful. I think they had one OK season and then one pretty poor season in the Super League. Um, but it, it just never seems to have taken off, which seems odd because there is historical precedent for there being a rugby league team here. You know, we have a pretty big state competition. There's teams in Kalamunda, in South Perth. Nowadays, there's even teams out in Alkamos, and I believe there's about mm. three or four teams in the Southwest. And I guess with this article, I just wanted to go out and ask some of the stakeholders locally, you know, why is it? There's, there's a lot of people who turn up to those state of origin games. I'm not one of them, I must admit, but <laughs> made the point in the article that when the AFL grand final came here, the attendance there was pretty well on par with the state of origin games at Optus Stadium. So, yeah, no, I, I spoke to John Saxon, who leads uh, NRLWA, uh, which is NRL's uh, uh, local business here. Uh, and I spoke mm. to Peter Cummins of Cash Converters and people back in the 90s might remember that uh, the Western Reds had Cash Converters as their naming rights sponsor uh, to ask, where's the team, guys? Yeah, where are they at? Uh, one one sentence that I found uh, interesting in your piece uh, was that WA has been viewed uh, as too enamoured with the AFL for an NRL mm. team to work. What was the retort to that uh, did you find when when doing your article? Well, the first is that it's, you know, it's probably fair to some extent. I mean, I don't know any of my friends who watch rugby league. I don't know if you know too many people who support rugby league or even rugby mm. union and that. And mm. I think it's probably fair to say it is an AFL state. I don't think that's a too outlandish statement to make. But look, soccer does really well here. The A-League might not be of the A-League team here. Perth Glory might not be a financial powerhouse. Uh, but it has a really significant following, as does uh, the basketball team here, Perth Wildcats, the NBL. Uh, team that we have so the, it, it's not as if people only watch the AFL here so th there is room for more codes but yes you're right there is this kind of perception from the NRL and particularly from Peter Blandy's the chief executive of Racing New South Wales but uh, also the NRL's national chairman who's pretty consistently said look southeast Queensland and New South Wales the focus for them given the uh, television rights that come with that um, but when I put this assertion to uh, Mr Cummins uh, from Cash Converters, he was 
pretty, pretty adamant that it was rubbish. So yeah, he, right. he made the point <laughs> that I said there about Melbourne Storm. You know, Melbourne Storms uh, only existed since the end of the Super League, so when Western, uh, Western Reds and the Adelaide Rams exited the league. Uh, and they've won numerous championships. And I think in terms of premierships, they are the most successful team in the modern era of the NRL. Mm, uh, right. And as well, there's this idea that, you know, flying the teams out from Western Australia to other states, namely Queensland and New South Wales, just would cost too much. Well, he also makes the point that in the AFL, you know, West Coast and Fremantle have to travel interstate every fortnight for a game, whether that be South Australia, uh, Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales, increasingly Tasmania as well, and sometimes the NT and the ACT. So, and, and he also makes the point that, you know, netball does this, the uh, rugby union team, Western Force does this, you know, football, baseball, all of these sports can fly to other states. It's not a, a non-starter as people try to make it out to be. I guess the thing that this all comes back to is that the NRL has been pretty clear that, you know, WA will get a look in at some point, but the focus is Southeast Queensland. Uh, but as John Saxon from the NRL said, look, NRL WA can, can deal with not having that 18th team yet. I don't think it's necessarily something that's going to be a drag on rugby league here, but if there was that team, uh, in WA, it does open up opportunities for kids and it means that they don't have to necessarily fly to Queensland or New South Wales if they did want to play at an elite level. Yeah, and I suppose that would really, really foster that growth here for, for a bigger a bigger NRL presence, which would be interesting. Well, it was a lot of fun doing the business of sport this year and I'm sure that we'll be doing it uh, again next year and maybe there'll yeah. be another uh, league I can look into or another code. Who knows, maybe curling will be the sport that we look into next year. Oh, we'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Simone, thank you so much. Thanks, Jordan. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to e-editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insights search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au slash app, download on the App Store, or get it on Google Play now. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.